Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Talk and shop in District 4 week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey, and today we've got a special uh, cameo appearance by Al Bundy. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? (laughs) I had a hard time thinking of an intro. And I saw my guitar sitting there and I go, I haven't done that yet. So let's do it. And then you got Al Bundy with a little bit of Polkai. Come on. That's got to be the intro of all intros. Yeah, it was pretty good. Scott Burton with us. His moniker today is Al Bundy. Uh, he was what, a running back for Polkai? Is oh, that what the story was? He was, an, he was a all-city player. Once scored four <laughs> touchdowns in one game. Yeah. Uh, legend. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> And then became the greatest uh, shoe salesman man mankind has ever known. So yeah, oh, Al Bundy. by far. And there's a certain art to that. And Al Bundy crafted that art to perfection. <laughs> oh, of course, married with children, very popular in the '90s. Uh, so uh, Scott wearing the Polk High football jersey and busting out the acoustic guitar today. I didn't even know you could play, Scott. So that's really I, impressive. I didn't either. <laughs> no, it's a uh, you know, back in the day, Brandon. I was uh, in my my twenties, I was in a band once a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. We, need, we, need, we need the VH one behind the music on that. Yeah, you know, sure. just good. I'm just very thankful that there wasn't like, you know, cell phone video because nothing you do now isn't recorded. Um, back then, I think, you know, growing up in the eighties, it's good thing. Things were not recorded. Right. Cause there's stuff that uh, would not go over well today. You know, yeah, people ask uh, all the time, you know, hey, has society just gotten worse over the last like 30 years? I'm like, no, I think there's just more people documenting society. I think it's I think people have always been generally pretty terrible. And now we're just <laughs> we're actually seeing it more. Yeah, it, it. I think you're absolutely right. Things haven't changed that much. Um, as far as that goes, people are still shady and they're going to do bad things. Now it is just you can't get away from not being recorded and documented. You're right. Yeah, well, we're here to record and document some of the great athletic exploits of our Magic Valley athletes. And Scott, we had so many thrilling football games from this past week. But I want to start on the volleyball court with a team that I think is flying under the radar a little bit. And that's Canyon Ridge. Um, The Riverhawks are one of the favorites in in the Magic Valley in the 4A ranks, along with Twin Falls. to get to state but last weekend they went over to the peg peterson volleyball tournament uh over 30 teams were there competing uh at highland high school in pocatello and i'll be darned if canyon ridge didn't walk out of there with that first place trophy from the gold bracket what a weekend for the river hawks well you know the way that they did it was kind of the fun part of it because they lost their first match and had to work all the way back because it was a double elimination tournament and they you know got to the gold bracket anyway they lost on, on Saturday morning and they typically, this is a team that doesn't really play well in the mornings like most teams. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a loser's bracket. And through that journey back, they had to beat Highland twice and did it, but that included playing eight games, eight matches in a row um, to, to win the tournament. And so, 
you know, those last few matches down the stretch, they, I mean, they were just kind of loopy and everything. Everybody's so exhausted, but somehow they figured out how to win. And uh, it, it really is a good springboard for this Canyon Ridge team who, you know, when you talk volleyball 4A in the state of Idaho, you're talking what, Skyview? And everybody else, is that right? Yeah, take right? a number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, Canyon Ridge has got it going on. You know, th this is a really good team. I mean, this is a team that when, you know, Co Coach Norlander took them, uh, took over, these, these girls were freshmen, you know. So this is their third year together. And this is a team that has really gelled very well uh, over the years. And, um, you know, they, this is the group that kind of helped put Canyon Ridge on the map volleyball wise, because they really hadn't had very much success, you know? So when they were freshmen, they, they kind of kicked off their way with a 16 and 14 record. And that was the first winning record that Canyon Ridge has had in a long time. And then last year, 22 and nine, and then they lose one senior and they get all those girls back. So you're right. This is a team that could fly underneath the radar. Cause I've got a lot of pieces. Yeah, you mentioned Coach Lindsey Norlander and what she's done in a short time with these athletes. Um, you look at the roster and right away you're like, man, they've got some size with Maddie Bland at six feet even. Mm -hmm. And you got Ava Martin at six foot one and Abby McLean at six foot one. McLean has signed to play with Idaho State University D1 program. So, I mean, when you've got six foot, six one, six one, you can do some damage. Yeah. And that's the thing that you don't get a lot of, I mean, you don't get a lot of tall girls to begin with in general, but when you do, you've got to make sure you get them doing something right. And that is just a, a something and a luxury that Canyon Ridge has right now, because it makes it really tough at the net because they can challenge you. You know, they can, they can also score the net with that size, but it makes it really difficult when you've got two six footers uh, as blockers, and you're trying to get over the top of that. And that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So all of those matches that they won at the Peg Peterson tournament, including beating Highland twice and Highland's no joke. Highland's a good yeah. team uh, to beat them twice. Uh, none of that counts on the resume, the quote unquote official resume, because tournament results in season don't count towards your overall win loss record or your max preps rankings. So the first official result that they had, Scott, was earlier this week against your Jerome Tigers mm -hmm. in a three nothing sweep. Yeah, you know, and and uh, the the young undersized Tigers uh, battled really really well, um, losing that second game twenty five twenty two I believe or twenty five twenty one, and then competing in those other games. It's just that Canyon Ridge is so much better and physically better than everybody else. But the thing about Canyon Ridge is, is they've got some depth, you know, and, and that's going to play a dividend down the stretch. I mean, you take this Peg Peterson tournament, for example, you know, they, they weren't at full strength early on, you know, um, they were missing one of their starters for the first match on Friday and then two starters for their second match. And then they've got kids coming off the bench all the time. And, you know, and, and talking to coach Norlander about, the weekend and everything. One of the things that she alluded to was the fact that, man, they're deep. They are deep. Not only are they tall with a great starting lineup with, you know, McLean and Bland and Ava leading the way, they've got some depth. Well, the match I've got circled on the calendar is next Thursday, Scott, a week from today. Uh, they will host Twin Falls 
in that crosstown battle. And I mean, we know what kind of program Twin Falls has had over the years, uh, including the the last team that wasn't named Skyview to win a 4A championship. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to that cross crosstown matchup. That should be a lot of fun. So, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So congratulations to Canyon Ridge on winning the Peg Peterson uh, Memorial Tournament over there at Highland in Pocatello. No small feat in the fact that they lost right away and then ran the table just makes the story uh, so much better. Um, but it, it's one of just a, a, a large size of incredible stories that we had from this past week, Scott. Let's let's shift gears to football now where we had some really wild games. Uh, I promise we're not going to talk about the Wendell Trojans every week unless they just keep doing incredible things. But we talked about Wendell last week because they were one of the few teams that had a week zero game. They get that win over Cold Valley Christian. We're like, all right, these guys, you know, might be ready to take that next step. Well, they go on the road to play a West Jefferson team that I think people would tell you is not as good as Cold Valley Christian. And Wendell struggles a little bit in this game. It ends up being a back and forth affair but it comes down to a walk-off field goal. Wendell wins 17-16 as time expires. Yeah, I mean, you're talking field goals in a 2A football game. You don't get that very often at 2A. You don't get it in, three, you don't get it in high school very often, uh, 5A maybe. But, boy, a battle of field goals in this, which was, which was great. You know? And, you know, and even though West Jeff wasn't the caliber – that uh, they played earlier. It, it's just, you got to find ways to win ugly. And if you're going to win, you have to understand too, you're not always going to have your best game week in and week out, but the good teams find a way to get it done, even when they don't play well. And, you know, this is a team that uh, West Jeff, you know, had them on the ropes, you know, they were, uh, you know, got out to that, that three nothing lead. And then it was back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, West Jeff scored with about what a minute and a half to go to take the lead. I mean, it was 16, 14 and there's 90 seconds left to go. And this is a game that Wendell hasn't played well in. Now, all of a sudden you haven't played well for so long. You have 90 seconds of good football in you when it matters the most. And they did, you know, they marched right down the field and they kicked the game winning field goal and they tiptoed out of there with a win and that's what good teams do yeah they'll take it and i guess i should say it wasn't as time expired i got my walk-off field goals mixed up emmett had a field goal mm -hmm. as time expired as well this week uh six seconds were left on the clock uh julian ponce comes in and nails a 35 yard field goal uh, and that's no small that's in high school a 35 yard kick that's big league yeah. no it, it really is i mean you, you don't see a lot of of kickers in high school especially you know, that lower level able to do it. So I'm, you know, I don't know what they thought was going to happen when they trotted Ponce out there, but obviously they had enough confidence in him that uh, he's able to make this kick, but uh, you know, six seconds to go, you don't have much of a choice. And uh, boy, he came through big time. I can imagine what he was going through lining up for a game winner. Uh, good for, good for Wendell. We, we touted them early on and uh, so far they've delivered two and oh. 
Yeah, uh, Wendell was up 14-7. West Jay scores the touchdown to make it 14-13. Uh, they went for two, didn't get it. They kicked that field goal. So they scored, what, nine unanswered points to take that 16-14 lead. And and then Wendell marched down the field. Jesse Chavez, 129 yards and a touchdown on the ground for Wendell in the win. Alex Hirai also uh, hit Jackson Maddox for Wendell's other touchdown. And I'm telling you, Coach, John Hellman Dollar's got a good thing going there in Wendell, um, it'll be interesting to see if the Trojans can keep it rolling, of course. Just Marcin. the team, yeah, against Marcin, the team that won pretty big in their opener, 66 to 6. They're coached by former Boise State linebacker and Chicago Bears linebacker Shea McClellan. McClellan. Yeah, so we've got, yeah, you know, between McClellan and Hellman Dollar, who are both great players now doing the coaching thing, it's kind of cool to see too. It really is. And if you follow, you know, football in Idaho and in particular, Boise State football, to have a guy like Shane McClellan uh, running the show, especially at a small school like that, is pretty exciting because the knowledge that he got from not just Boise State, but from playing with Chicago in the NFL, and you know, just that is so exciting to have. And I'm really interested in this game with uh, Marsing and Wendell next week. Yeah, that'll be Wendell's home opener oh, actually, as well tonight or tomorrow night, right? Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Home home opener for Wendell uh as well. So that'll be really exciting to see. Um, okay. Second week in a row, we're gonna talk about Kimberly as well. I, I promise we're not gonna hit the same teams every week, but these are just the teams that are really uh making things exciting. So you've got a matchup of uh teams that I think are gonna be in the playoffs and be in the mix. Kimberly traveling to Snake River. Uh, this was a wild game. Uh Snake River. Takes a 3-0 lead on their opening drive. Took a lot of time off the clock. That's all right. They kick off to Mason Jensen. He takes it to the house. He makes a house call, Scotty, and just like that, mm-hmm. without even running a play on offense. Kimberly was up 7-3, to and that kind of set the tone for the back-and-forth battle uh, that would ensue. Yeah, it did. And right after that, it was uh, Cade Larson and Jensen hooking up for a 47-yard touchdown. And now, all of a sudden, Kimberly's on top 13-3, to in control, but... Snake River had something to say about that because they got back out in front with another field goal, their second one of the game. And here we go with field goals. And then a couple of passing touchdowns, Peyton Williams, uh, one to, to see Chris and the other one to Walker. And next thing you know, Snake River with an explosion back up on top. And now Kimberly's got something to, uh, to kind of fight for because they're down 20 to 13 and uh, there's not a lot of time left. Yeah, we're in the late stages of the game. And how about that wide receiver from Snake River? His name is Johnny Walker. <laughs> yeah, right. Is it red or black? I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, there's uh, two, 255 to play. Kimberly is down 20 to 13. They get a, an 18-yard touchdown run from Damon Taylor, who really ran the ball well in this game for Kimberly. Um, so they tied the game at 20, but Snake River's got the ball back, and they've been moving the ball pretty well. Well, all of a sudden... Kenyon Hernandez comes away with an interception. Kimberly gets the ball right back and it's Taylor scoring again, this time from six yards out with just 56 seconds to go. Mm -hmm. And so they've got to kick off the snake river one last time. What's going to happen. It's like deja vu. It's Kenyon Mm -hmm. Hernandez again, coming up with an interception to seal the win. Yeah. Again, it's almost like a mirror of what we just talked about with Wendell just finding ways to get it done in the end. Now you're going to, you're going to say that, 
you know, the games don't matter in the, I mean, coaches are always going to tell you that it's not going to be one play that does it. It's going to be making the plays when it counts. Right. And no matter what happened, no matter how bad you think you played, no matter what went your way, what didn't, if you're still in it down the stretch, well, that's the time to step up and make those plays. And, you know, Kimberly did it and uh, Wendell did it. And now Kimberly is going to take their show on the road tomorrow night when they, they visit Jerome. And this is a really good Kimberly team. And we talked about this last week, very athletic skill position wise. They are legit. If there's any knock or weakness on them, maybe it could be up front in the trenches, but with all the skill kids they got back and the athleticism they have, they're going to be trouble for anybody. And tomorrow they come to Jerome where they visit their old head coach, Rich Bishop. Yeah, the Bishop Bowl. That'll be interesting. Uh, Rich Bishop coached at Kimberly for such a long time. Now at Jerome. Um, so yeah, Kimberly is 1-0. and They start the season off with a win in a 27-20 to win in which they were down 20-13 to with three minutes to play. And that's just, in high school football, it's not like the NFL where you can make up a multiple score deficit because uh, you get a two minute warning and all these other timeouts. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that's hard to do in high school. And so uh, good on Kimberly. So we've seen Kimberly get a wild win. We've seen Wendell get a wild win. We saw Wood River pull one out of the fire two weeks ago. This is only going to help these teams get better as they are all fighting to get into the playoffs and advance in the playoffs. And so it's good to see these Magic Valley teams, you know, having some fortitude early and figuring out ways to win. Oh, absolutely. That pays off down the stretch. And we talk about it all the time. You know, we see the teams that cruise through a regular season, whether it's football, basketball, whatever. And the first time they get challenged, whether it's a district or state, they don't know how to handle the adversity. But the more you can put yourself in those situations, the better your team is going to be down the road. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Jerome, they found themselves in a tight battle with Gooding last Friday. So it's the first quarter. Gooding puts together a pretty nice drive. The sun's still out. Uh, Robert Bailey scores on a fourth and goal play. And by the way, I went back and watched the film of that. It seemed like they had like 12, 12 plays right there at the goal line and just finally oh. get it punched in on a fourth and goal. Robert Bailey scores the quarterback. Braden Martin runs in the two point conversion and it's eight, nothing gooding. And I'm like, okay, here we go. First quarter. Let's settle in eight, nothing. The final <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it was, I was, I was there and it was very uh, interesting game despite the score. I mean, Gooding scores on their opening drive and then we're done. And then that was all. But, it, you know, you have to be able to be a fan of the game, a student of the game to understand and see what's going on behind the field, right? Because you've got a Jerome team that's coming off a winless season. They've got a new coach breathing new excitement. Uh, a new offense, brand new scheme and everything that they're trying to learn. And it's going to take some time. And so what you're looking for is something beyond the score. You're looking for the effort. You're looking for, are these kids buying in? Are they finishing plays? And they may not have the best dudes on the field. And bottom line in football, you don't win if you don't got dudes. You know, you can have the best coach, you can have the best scheme, you can have best whatever. You don't got players, you ain't going to win. So you're looking for all these little things. And from Jerome's perspective, you, you, you saw some things that you hadn't seen before, or at least lately. And that was kids hustling and rallying to the football. Um, 
you know, standing there trying to make the tackle over a bigger guy and just holding on for dear life, uh, making a right read, but maybe not getting the, 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 the arm and the throw behind it, you know, but they're seeing things. And so you saw some positivity there and going back and watching film on this, the mistakes that Jerome was making in particular are fixable. It was about guys being out of position, but it's a new scheme. And so it's going to take time, you know, and talking to Gooding, they recognized the same thing. They just said, Hey, you could see that the Bishop influence is, is there because, you know, Gooding and Kimberly played forever in the same conference. And so they're used to seeing that they know what they're looking for and they saw bits and pieces of it and they go, okay, it's just going to be a matter of time before this starts to click, whether it's this year or the year after whatever, but you can see pieces of it. Meanwhile, Gooding, you know, they're relatively new too. You know, they've got um, coach Bauman in his second year trying to establish a culture that they want. And, and the more that I study these two teams, the more that they really kind of mirror each other in philosophy because they, for Gooding's side of things, they want to do things the Senator way. And so what they're doing is they're, they're bringing back a lot of old players from Gooding. Jerome's done the same thing. Rich Bishops is a Jerome grad. And then a handful of assistants are Jerome grads. Well, Gooding's doing the same thing. You know, Gooding is really focusing and trying to keep their players accountable for, for being good in the classroom, not being late and, and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. But you know what? Jerome's doing the same thing because our players sign a contract with their teachers saying that, Hey, they're going to be good citizens, keep their grades up because that's the most important thing. So when you look at the score and you look at the game, no, it wasn't exciting from a fan's perspective, but if you know the backstories and you know what you're looking for, that game had a lot to it, especially when you got these two teams, relatively new coaches to that school, trying to establish their own culture. Yeah, the parallels are striking where Gooding was going through this same thing that Jerome is uh, two years ago where Camp Cameron Anderson, who had been the longtime coach there and had a lot of success, uh, leaves to take a different job. Uh, Ballman, who was the boys basketball head coach and had to been an assistant football coach, becomes the head football coach now, and he gives up the basketball part to Ryan Pope, who knows a thing or two about basketball. So that's kind of a win-win for Gooding. Yeah. Um, but but he is kind of trying to put his own stamp on the program at the same time, paying respect to those great Gooding players of the past. It sounds like it's exactly what Coach Bishop is doing at Jerome. And as you were talking about that, the other school that has done this recently that stood out to me was Buell with Alan Reynolds. Kind of mm -hmm. the same thing, a former Buell player coming back to his old high school, bringing back those Buell players from the past and it's kind of cool to see this little revival in in some of these magic valley programs well you know and i think one thing that's lacking in society is really a sense of pride in anything you know everything that we do is disposable nothing really has value anymore you know everything is made to be broken including stuff that we buy um our attention spans our relationships it's all not lasting and so with that comes this lack of pride that you see throughout. And if you're involved in athletics in the school, you know, one of the things that's going to drive your bus is a sense of pride in what you're doing, you know, and you want your kids in your school to walk the hallways with a sense of pride that you are a Jerome Tiger, you are a Twin Falls Bruin, you are whatever you are, but we don't see that as much anymore. And so bringing these old school people back when they have a sense of pride can help really establish that culture that was or is 
that particular school. And I really think that's a, um, why this is happening. Yeah. It, it's really cool to see uh, kind of this revival in the magic Valley. Uh, now for Gooding and Jerome, it's a little tougher, right? We talked about Jerome's got to play Kimberly. Gooding's only got to play Homedale. That's not a big task or anything, eh, but oh, like, you, <laughs> you know, like you said, uh, wins and losses, it's easy to get lost in that, but the process of where teams are and how they're getting there is also very important. I don't know if my internet just went out there, but probably <laughs> froze for a second. You're glitching uh, a little, my friend, but that's okay. I got you. Uh, hi, Karumba. All right. Um, let's talk a little eight-man football. Uh, Castle Ford was hosting North Gem last Friday, and we had talked about – I was really interested to see how this game was going to go for Castle Ford because they, they had the dirty dozen last year, 12 players on their roster. Eight of the 12 graduate four come back okay that's half the team but where are they going to fill in it turns out you know castle fort's just doing just fine they they roll to a to a somewhat easy win and they're one and know to start the year yeah i mean you talk about a young team and and playing at that level you don't have a lot of guys running the hallways that you can you can pull from you know and so you're just hoping that you're getting guys out there so you have a team and when you lose what Castleford lost last year, you're thinking, okay, we're not going to focus on winning. We're going to focus on just keeping football alive. And I tell you what, they've got a lot of freshmen that are starting for them, obviously, um, because of their lack of returners. And boy, did they step up and play well. I mean, they were responsible for, you know, four touchdowns and 18 tackles between the freshmen and really freshmen. And they, they really um, learned a lot from their seniors. You know, their senior, Jamie Ramos, I mean, he, he kind of led the way, 15 carries, 151 yards, um, and a touchdown to go along with 143 yards passing for three touchdowns. But when you got that kind of leadership, your, your freshmen, your young players are going to fall in line. And so really I think the development of these young kids falls on, on Ramos. And then senior Cash Keach, you know, he's the guy on defense that's going to lead the way. And so you've got these two great examples, you know, the castle Ford is bringing back in, in Ramos and, and Keach and Keach, you know, 23 tackles, two forced fumbles in that game. That's what these young kids are seeing. And if they've got that kind of role model on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball, they're going to learn how to play the game. Right. And they certainly did against North gem winning 42 to 20. Yeah, last year that Castleford team was so fun to watch, and really the past couple of seasons, uh, my favorite player he's now graduated, Gabe Mahana, because he wore number seventy-seven and was a running back and did things guys wearing seventy-seven <laughs> shouldn't do, uh, and that was my number in high school. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I think my new favorite this year, just based strictly on name, is the guy who scored the first touchdown of the season for Castleford, Crash Taylor. What a name! Oh yeah, there's you know back in back in the day when we were doing all the state basketball things, I guess it was Glenn and Gary that used to come up with the uh, all tournament names, and that kind of disappeared. I kind of would like to bring that back at some point in some sport, but yeah, Crash Taylor, you kidding me? That's a great name. I also like Cash Keach, yeah, and that that's a good one too. But interesting thing about him because you're bringing up you know 77 as a running back, Keach is the guy that plays center for Castleford but he's also the deep return man on kickoffs. You don't see that one very often. Hey, that's eight man football at its finest there. So 
Uh, good win for Castleport. Really a good week for the conference overall. Hagerman gets a win over Horseshoe Bend. Uh, you had Camas County go over to Rockland and really dispatch them pretty easily. Uh, the, the one team that lost that kind of opened some eyes was Dietrich. They were the team that everybody picked to, to finish first, and they lose to Garden Valley. So I don't know. This conference could be flipped on its head here. shows what we know. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, and you're going to have a chance to see one of Castle Ford's main competitors this Friday, Scott, as we've got Hagerman hosting North Gem on idahosports.com. This same North Gem team that just played Castle Ford, they're going to go right back into the Magic Valley this time to play Hagerman on Friday night. Uh, should be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, and it's one of those measuring stick games, you know, because now that you've got common opponents, and especially this close together in the season, it really does provide what coaches call a measuring stick. You know, well, we did this against them one week, and the very next week they did this. So you're going to get a lot of that stuff going on. And, uh, you know, for North Jam, it's certainly a bounce-back game. You know, for Hagerman, keep the hot start going. And for North Jam, uh, Scott, talking about low numbers, they have nine players total. They were counting on some freshmen coming out that didn't. Four mm -hmm. players that were on last year's team decided not to come out this year, and that'll cripple an eight-man program. Coach Corey Hatch says, I've got nine guys. They're all really good guys, but I've only got nine of them. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that becomes such a, a, a an interesting juggling act because, you know, you're an injury away from not having a season, you know, and you've got to make sure that you're not overextending these guys because they're not coming off the field. And how do you do that and keep everybody healthy? Uh, it, it totally restructures the way that you handle practice and do practice um, because it, it ju you just cannot have that kind of stress on your body to practice for four days and then go play and not come off the field. So anybody that's been in that situation with low numbers, it changes the way that you approach things. Definitely. So if you want to see a contrast, North Gem with nine players at Hagerman, who's got over 20, it's Friday night on idahosports.com, seven o'clock kickoff there. Other uh, games involving Magic Valley teams, Scott, on the idahosports.com schedule, uh, Twin Falls Bruins fans will get a chance to watch their team. They are traveling to Ravston Stadium to play the Idaho Falls Tigers. This will be a really fun matchup. Both teams are one and oh. Uh, Twin Falls had an easy time. Idaho Falls, did you hear about what happened with their game, Scott, at all? Uh, fill me in. Okay, so they're playing Thunder Ridge last week. Uh, the game starts at Thunder Ridge's stadium. Really bad oh, weather. Yeah, they had to switch venues, right? Yeah, the yeah, bad, okay. we bad weather comes through. They have to switch to Ravston Stadium where the weather was calmer. Um, they get over there. Thunder Ridge is down two scores. They return a punt for a touchdown. They get a game-tying touchdown. The game goes to overtime. We're past midnight at this point. We are into Saturday morning. <laughs> Idaho Falls finally wins in overtime, 34-28. That's game. right. That's right. I did hear about that. You know, the weather pushing you out. And then, of all things, it's overtime. Yeah. So, no, I do. I, I did remember hearing about that. Yeah, no, this game, Twin Falls and Idaho Falls, should be, should be a good game. I mean, these are really two pretty good teams. We've already talked about Twin Falls and everybody that they're bringing back. And uh, winning dominantly last week in week one, when now they get to go on the road and and uh, see how good they they really are against an Idaho Falls team that you know won a really exciting game. So yeah. you know, and then and then you've got the battle in Boise coming up right. as well. 
Yes. You I know. was going to say other two other teams that won big in week one were Oakley over St. Joseph Catholic school from Utah. Uh, and then Burley obviously putting up over 70 points against mountain home. And we will be broadcasting all three games from the battle in Boise uh, from the blue turf, the Smurf turf at Albertson stadium uh, on the campus of Boise state university. This is a really cool deal, Scott. This is exciting, not just for the magic Valley, but for the state of Idaho. You know, it is. I mean, you liken it to the Rocky Mountain Rumble in a way because this is a showcase event. And, you know, you've got, oh, what, you got two of the three games featuring Magic Valley teams, uh, Kendrick versus Oakley and Burley and Valley View. But I think the interesting sidebar is that you've got Gatlin Bear for Burley headed to Boise to play on the blue. And you know he's the talk of everything. And there's uh, Paul did a really good interview yesterday with uh, head coach Cameron Anderson from Burley talking about this and then a little bit about the Gatlin situation with Boise State and whatnot. And, and if you haven't had a chance to go listen to it, do so. Uh, it, it's really interesting, and the both of them do a really great job. But I think that's one of the side stories of this, obviously, Gatlin to go play at the Blue um, and Burley taking on Valley View. And, um, you know, Valley View – you know, they're the ones that got uh, uh, beaten by twin last, by, by twin last week. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they got blown out by twin. That's right. And yeah. then early blows out Mountain Home. So that one. And then you've got Kendrick and Oakley. And Kendrick coming off of the season that they did. Boy, quite possibly one of the most dominant seasons in history at that level. Um, and here they, here they go against Oakley. So that that would be a really fun game to watch. And I'm looking forward to watching all of these on IdahoSports.com. Yeah, Kendrick and Oakley at 3 o'clock. And then you've got Fruitland and Emmett at 5.30 or 6. Let me double check the times. And then the late game is Burley and Valley View at 8 o'clock. Um, late kickoff there from BSU. And yes, um, Paul did a great interview with Cam Anderson from Burley. He's the guy who kind of spearheaded this effort and said, there's been this disconnect between Boise state and the high schools for a long time. I feel like Scott, you've, you've mm -hmm. lived here longer than me, but Boise state has just seemed kind of aloof and not really a part of the Idaho high school sports scene, which is crazy to me. And this is maybe a good way to mend that bridge a little bit. I, I think it is. And I think the, the, the idea behind this does exactly that. You know, you, you certainly love hometown kids, home state kids. There's something about it, finding a gem in your home state. That's the gem state. Huh. See what I did there? But this particular thing, you're right, has not happened to build that bridge between Boise State and the rest of the state. And so if this can continue to happen and grow, then I really think you'll see a difference in the way Boise State approaches, you know, high school sports in Idaho. And I think Gatlin Bear is going to have a lot to do with that. You know, by him going there, kind of opens the door and leads the way for other, you know, standout high school players in Idaho to follow. But when they're watching star players in Idaho bolt and go somewhere else, like, you know, Colston did to Michigan and, and no, nothing on him. I mean, it's Michigan for crying out loud. But when you see that and not these high calibers going to Boise state, he's like, well, I guess that's really not what I should do. I think Gatlin kicked in the door. And, and I hope that more do that because back to that pride thing that we just talked about, 
having a little bit of pride in your state, a little bit of pride in your school that's in, in your state. I mean, I hope we see more of it. Yeah, Gatlin Bear, really an ambassador when you think about it that way. As is uh, Cameron Anderson, he wants to do bigger and better. I think ultimately he wants six games, one for each classification, which would be awesome. But Why not? At least in year one, this is a great start. So, yes, you can check out that interview on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page. But also, Scott, I'm going to take that interview and put it into the podcast feed here on the Magic Valley PrepCast. So those that listen to the podcast, uh, you'll have that standalone interview. It's a little bonus content in your podcast feed as well, because it was a really good interview. So, Yeah, absolutely. You bet. A lot of insight to that. And if you can't get up to Boise State, then make sure you hop online and watch these games. Um, I'll be stuck in the booth at our football game or Heck, I might be up there calling those games with somebody, but I'll be having it on my computer as I'm working my own game. Yeah, I'm going to be at an eight-man game on Friday night. Not Oakley Kendrick, which uh, Kendrick won last year 52-48. to Basically, it was whoever had the ball last won, and that was Kendrick. Um, Speaking of, we have started up again, Scott, the Idaho eight-man prep cast. It's our podcast we do each week dedicated strictly to the eight-man game it's myself and will henneke and we brought on a new guest contributor yeah. this year former carry coach yeah. lane kirkland it's been yeah great. boy what's some insight that he's gonna bring and i saw part of that first one and and uh, that's a unique perspective i mean some guy that's been there forever or and the family's been there forever uh and the the in the trenches and bringing you all of that kind of stuff, man, that's going to be a great, great addition to the eight man prep cast. Yeah. He's kind of picked up your gig. He, he contributes on the podcasts for the carry home games. He's up in the crow's nest on the mic. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know it. That's, that's, that's what we do. I was mowing the football field today for a few hours. So I, I, I couldn't decide if I was going to be Al Bundy or if I was going to be, you know, Carl Spackler um, or greenskeeper Willie or whatever. I mean, but essentially decided on Al Bundy because it's football season and I'm probably going to mow the football field every Thursday anyway. So it doesn't matter. There you go. Well, thanks for uh, tuning into the magic Valley prep cast. It's perfect. If you've got to go mow the lawn, you know, pop us on and it, the time will fly from listening That's right. to me and Scott. So, <laughs> you know what? It's funny real quick. One more thing. And then we'll get out of here. I was talking to, this was a couple of years ago, Randy Spath, the athletic director at Raft river. And mm-hmm. he said he likes to listen to the prep cast when he's on the mower. So yeah. Yeah. Rand, I run into Randy all the time. Such a great dude and a big fan of the show. And uh, in fact, you know, I, I just can't say enough about the schools in this Valley that tune into this. I mean, it, it's just, everybody knows everybody watches it is so cool to run into these people and and have them just kind of give you a hey great podcast this week you know or hey you're gonna you're gonna cover our game or whatever the case is they're watching and and they love us so these these prep casts are amazing yeah and we'll be back again next week to talk about the biggest stories happening in the magic valley but until then enjoy the competition this weekend everybody for Al Bundy and Scott Burton. He's going to play us out. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, I'm I'm in tune right now. I'm not even sitting correctly, but you know, you get the gist. Yeah, that was really good. A good playoff. Uh, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time. Stan's guitar on (laughs) IdahoSports.com.